I just got done listening to and participating in. Fortunately, thankfully, I don't even. I'm thankful <clears throat> that they invited me to talk. I think one of the things that lured me in was that in part of the description of their show, it says, you know, call in. It's you guys that make the show or something to that effect. And uh, the show was about altered states of consciousness. Altered states of consciousness, which is right up my wheelhouse. I could not resist listening. And, you know, they were talking about everything from lucid dreams, which if you've listened to me at all in any, or seen anything that I post online in any shape or form, you'll know that I enjoy lucid dreaming every day that I, of my life, that I can dream and sleep. And they spoke about mind-altering substances, meditation, mental abnormalities of various different kinds, different forms of psychology, and it was a fascinating listen. And there were all of the the, the host and all of the speakers and and guests were just amazing. It's a really fantastic community, and uh, it's uh, and so it's uh, one the the main platform was is hosted by Travis Pangburn, um, and uh, actually the host of the actual show was was a guy named Zach Morgan. He was hosting the show today, and um, it was for... Uh, the show was called The Pangburn Hangout, and The Pangburn Hangout, it's spelled P-A-N-G-B-U-R-N. Um, so The, the Pangburn Hangout. And, uh, you know, Zach is one of the hosts of that, and there, there are a lot of hosts of that show, um, I would check it out. They have already 139 episodes, and the one that uh, I was participating in tonight was fantastic. So check it out. I'll put a link a little bit later to that show that I was just participating in, and so you guys can check it out. It was about three hours long, so... It's one of those things that you can take along with you while you're doing some chores or something like that and uh, really come out in a different and better place than you were before. And one of the reasons why I listened to that and I gave the name of this particular episode, Heuristic Philology. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I'm the master of languages and know exactly how everybody else in the world uses these two words or even puts them together. But uh, back in 2007, I was saying such things. And, you know, heuristic, you could just say that it's just um, a form of learning. It's autodidactic or self-learning, mainly by looking at language and um, and reading, you know, words. So syntax and, and grammar. And so, um, and then philology is the word phil or file, which we many people know is, is, uh, is love. And ology is study. So the love of study or the love of knowing. And so interestingly because i love to learn i continue to find ways to learn and there was a great book called experience and education written back in 1938 i believe i don't have the my copy of it with me now i had it in china with me 
and I think it's in a luggage there that's still waiting for me to ship it back out here to the U.S. Um, it's called Experience and Education by John Dewey, and one of the things he says in the book which resonated with me is that the way to get students of any any age and any kind to be really good at what to be really great students and to you know score high grades and to really understand and know the subjects that they're studying whatever it may be is to instill in them a love of learning and i i love learning so much and i it takes me into so many different things it takes me all the way from physics to metaphysics from mathematics to ontological mathematics which you know so someone on the show one of the hosts said that doesn't exist <laughs> And, which is great. I'm glad that he said that. Um, and and I'm, a, I'm a speculator. Um, you should even just look in the description of, of my podcast and, uh, just, and just what I'm all about. I speculate in, uh, high, in a lot because it's fun and it's science fiction and it helps me to learn a lot. And, and on that, that note, one of the things that, that helps me to continue to love learning and one of the main points, if there is one, that I'm making in this monologue is that anything that you want to learn, anything that you want to be really good at, anything that you want to master, you can do it by figuring out how to love some little piece of it. And you might already, if it's something that you want to do, but let's just say if for some other reason you don't like something yet or it's really difficult, there is something that you can find about it to, to love in order to continue to give you that drive to keep going. However, that's not always required to, for, for, for doing things and, and having success, I must add. I mean, I was listening to these guys earlier and they were talking about uh, and hedonia about just not even having any feelings of pleasure at all and how terrible that can sometimes feel and i totally understand that because of grief and loss is you know is one of the the reasons for that type of you know ptsd um but no matter what we can master so many different things on our own and have it seem to be effortless if we learn to figure out how to love something about it Man, and these guys inspired so many thoughts on that Alter States of Consciousness episode of um, of the show I was just on from the guys uh, from the Pangburn uh, show. Uh, <clears throat> the Pangburn hey, Hangout. What's going on, everybody? Oops. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and so one of the they, – they inspired a lot of thoughts. And so I want to pin down this one thing because you're looking at this weird title – you know, heuristic philology, and you're like, okay, what are these stupid words? And it really just means that that you can learn about for the purposes of being able to accomplish almost anything on your own by figuring out how to get some kind of joy or discipline out of it. Because there's a lot of things that I do that are not necessarily in the moment of doing them necessarily pleasurable. For example, I exercise every single day and the way that i'm able to do that is because i've created a habit out of it by at first just doing a little bit of it every day with for the purpose of fitness but see something fortunately happened to me when i was younger was that i in the, the homes that i lived in my parents fortunately however they managed to do it because we also didn't have a lot of money. And I remember, you know, having to, see, you know, go. Sh I went shopping with my parents to, with food stamps and, you know, never had a new vehicle and so on and so forth. But I, I do remember um, that, that uh, there was always a, a, a backyard and a space to go and play in. And so I was always allowed to be very physical. And so I, I loved physical play actually climbing trees and riding my bicycle and being able to experiment with skateboards. My mother and father allowed me to make my own nunchaku, nunchucks, right? And, and, and letting me buy shurikens or ninja stars, throwing stars, and throw them into the trees in the backyard and, and play with fireworks and, and, 
and, you know, have ant farms and all that. So fortunately, again, because I learned to enjoy certain things, and fortunately they were things that are positive, like physical fitness, you know, that's a, a thing that a lot of people are trying to figure out. And uh, the majority of my clients, they're not athletes like me. Actually, I don't think I have any clients that are athletes now, nowadays. Being back in the United States for nine months now, I haven't acquired any uh, clients who are specifically athletes. Now, I have trained like one-off sessions or a couple sessions with people who are either co college or professional or uh, semi-professional or uh, retired athletes. But... Um, but one of the things about everybody is that I found a way, because and this is the feedback that I get, to help them to enjoy in some way their exercise sizing because they understand it a lot more and they understand their routine a lot more. And the routine seems logical to them and they're able to put it together. And even though sometimes they don't feel like doing it, they say, hey, man, I found myself going to the gym without you you know, on my own, and I did my routine, and I actually got through it. Now, I don't even remember what, I don't feel like I enjoyed it or not, but I did it, and I feel better because I did, and you see, so it's that thing of those accomplishing, those small successes that we can make um, that, that help to keep us motivated, you know, even though we might not be motivated all the time to do something, so, but, uh, you know, the other thing, though, is that now, a lot of things they were talking about on that show uh, about altered states of consciousness. One of the things that I find really amazing, and it's up my wheelhouse, one of the things that got me caught up in the show is lucid dreaming. And one of the ways to, to really superpower your ability not only to learn, but to enjoy things and pull yourself out of some really deep and dark places is learning some very simple techniques and practices or meditations so that you can start to first remember your dreams, then become aware that you're dreaming, and finally to start super lucid dreaming where you can control different aspects of your dream. And when you're able to start controlling different aspects of your dream, you can start to have all kinds of scenarios in which you relive and come out in a more favorable position for things that ha might have happened before that were unfavorable and or train yourself in things or go through scenarios or rehearse things in environments that are so real because you have every single sense available to you. You have every sense tactile. You have olfactory, which is your ability to smell, your gustatory, as they call it, which is taste, your, your audio you know, your acoustic, acoustic and your, your visual, your ability to hear and see, right? All these abilities and other ones are available to you. You also sometimes have proprioception and thermoception and equilibrioception, right? And nocioception. So these are all a heat, pain, uh, awareness of space, awareness of balance. And, and then you, you also sometimes are in possession of what, would appear to be superpowers. You can fly, you have super strength, bullets bounce off of you and so forth. And when you start to develop abilities like this, a lot of times so many other things in life become more enjoyable. And one thing I'll relate that to is that one of my practices is called hypnoathletics, exercising your mind. And just like going to the gym, at first, some things don't seem enjoyable or they seem really, really difficult simply based on one factor, that the weights are heavy, right? You, you start curling five pounds or pressing five pounds over your head, and it seems really, really difficult to even just get 10 repetitions out. But you keep doing it two, three times a week. A month passes by. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like the weight is easier, but it's not. You just got stronger. And that's the same thing you can practice with lucid dreaming in any other psychological situation, scenario, or issue that you're confronted with, for the most part, for most people. Is that you can exercise your mind using various emotional techniques, breath control, breathing, yoga, tai chi, martial arts, audio programs, binaural beats, isochronic tones, 
even going to the gym itself, taking a walk, riding your bicycle, listening to music. There are many ways to get into altered states. And there are many ways to help yourself to be able to get the things done that you need to get into your, done in your life. And the reason why that's important is because that also makes things just a little bit more enjoyable, or at the very least makes them less painful. And the more that we can relieve the pain from our lives, the more that we can continue to go on, and hopefully to not only just survive, but to thrive. And that's the situation that I'm in. I was barely surviving not too long ago. And I've just only recently started to get past the threshold of where I'm going to be able to thrive. And actually am thriving. And have been. Actually, the whole time. The problem was how I actually felt. Personally. Emotionally. I didn't feel like I was thriving because I was in great emotional pain. And I still am in many ways. The pain is there. It's not going to go away. I don't think that it ever will, and I actually hope that it never will. I want to experience the pain and the grief and the loss that I am feeling for all of eternity. Because it's real and true, and it's something that I experience. However, it doesn't have to drive all of my daily activities to negative and destructive ways that make me feel like I want to slowly poison myself to death by drinking myself to sleep every single night and then waking up in the morning and drinking just so I can function. Or at least that's what I thought. Or whatever other forms of escape that I could do to not face the emotions that I was feeling. And blaming the world and the universe and God and and other people and this and that and everything for the way that I feel. And that's happened to a lot of us. But one of the interesting things is that there are things that I've continued to practice, like martial arts, for example, that no matter how I was feeling, I would go to the gym and put on a pair of gloves and hit a heavy bag or a box master or a practice capoeira, practice capoeira or lift weights or do some calisthenics, practice yoga or do some meditation, play with my nunchaku, something. Just because it was so deeply embedded into my being that it was just when I had nothing else to do, I would go to those things or play my acoustic guitar and sing, you know, something. You see, it's it's also a call to remind you that you, you have to pick up some kind of enjoyable hobby in your life because at some point in time, it'll be something if for nothing else, if not just, if not enrichment, if not to, to be cool, if not to uh, to impress some love interest, if not to just pass your time because you're just an interesting person, then something to fall back on when things get really difficult. When we have something that we can do, that sometimes even on autopilot, that, act, that, that accomplishes something, or that gives us personally a sense of accomplishment. Because maybe writing a haiku poem may not seem like something has been accomplished by someone, but it is to me. To create a haiku poem to me is a sense of accomplishment. I want to see if I can create one right now based on some of the rules that I learned as a child, which are you, the, there has to be three lines, um, something based close to nature, and uh, the first line be five syllables, the second line be seven syllables, and the third line be five syllables once again. So here we go. I'm going to use my fingers. You can't see me. I'm going to use my fingers to count to see if I can get this syllable count right the first time and, uh, and, and follow those, those rules there. So three lines, something involving nature, if I can, and uh, five, seven, five syllable structure watching my tears flow in the mirror of my life I know how to win all right I succeeded 
Um, maybe tears can be nature. I don't know. But And I don't even remember what I said. Something about watching my tears flow in the mirror of my life. I know how to win. I think that's what it was. I'll check the recording later. But um, so... And, and the, the point is, it was also a little bit on theme of what I'm talking about, is, is, is being able to stick around long enough to get to the next second, the next minute, the next hour, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, the next decade, the next score, maybe the next hundred years. Why do I say this? Personally, I've had to find reasons to stay alive, to not kill myself. To some people, to many people, yeah, I know you're going to say, oh, that's weak, that's a cop out. Well, I, here I am still, still, here I am still training people how to have uh, better fitness to improve their lives. Here I am still coaching people with clinical hypnosis to help them have better habits. Here I am still creating tons of free vocational and avocational motivation and self-improvement content. I'm still here. And because every single day is brand new lesson for me and all this stuff that I'm learning is fascinating and that fascination keeps me going you see I haven't figured out whether or not there's a reason to live or whether being here is worth it you know I keep being reminded of a line that was said in one of my favorite uh, TV shows that I actually watch pretty much almost every single day all five seasons, I'll just put it on rerun in the background while I'm working on other things, is Rick and Morty. And I only found out about Rick and Morty uh, in 2019, or two, no, 2020, maybe 2019. Um, and it was because of a guy that I met. He was from Russia. I met him in China. It was a few months after my... It was a few months after Floor passed away. And, you know, that's something Morty says. He says, uh, I think he was talking to his sister. And, uh, and he, says, um, he says, no one chooses to be here. Uh, nothing means anything and we're all going to die or something like that. And... Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, Rick, you know, Rick, his grandpa, the sci the the scientist, the mad, drunken scientist, is always saying, you know, nothing matters, you know, we're all going to die, and you're like, there, there are infinite numbers of you, and infinite realities, and infinite timelines, and you know, whether that's true or not doesn't matter, whether or not. I jump when I see a snake and then later discover that it, it was just a, a curvy branch. doesn't matter. I still jumped. You see, what we believe is very important. And so for now, my belief system is stuck in a place where I'm not sure what's going on, but I do know that I am having some really fascinating experiences and I'm learning some new things every day. And in the theater of my mind, when I'm dreaming or meditating, which are now almost the same thing, they're almost these identical, holographic, full-out, blown new realities that I'm entering into at will every single day. There are so many things to explore that I am free to go and do all of it. And you know, one of the interesting things that is fascinating, a lot of people uh, might not know this um, about themselves, but one thing that I learned about me and on the subject of heuristic philology, which is the subject of this, this monologue, is that by looking at science fiction and all things that are paranormal, supernatural, metaphysical, 
and even conspiracy theories and all of that fringe stuff that people are talking about and, you know, theoretical physics and anything in between, you know, all the philosophies and all this stuff, even the things from religions and Bibles, you know, all of these things, what I've found is that a lot of them are very elusive to come to any definite conclusions about them, you know, especially on these philosophical things and altered states of consciousness and religions and all of the supernatural, paranormal, metaphysical things and, and dreams and parapsychology and all of that, right? Um, but, but one of the fascinating things about, about all these elusive things is that they offer us an opportunity to use them to be inspired to continue learning. You know, people get all passionate about studying about beautiful conspiracy cover-ups and things like that and and they start digging into all this stuff like that and maybe they don't realize it but it's because it's it's they're learning something they're doing something new and what seems exciting because this ufo conspiracy cover-up stuff is inspiring them to learn more so they start researching they start feeling like they have a purpose you see learning things and being fascinated by things and, and looking into them more and being motivated to do that is really a superpower. All in itself, just loving to learn. And so if you have to bend into a, a conspiracy theory for a minute or look at some kooky, supernatural, airy-fairy mumbo-jumbo for a little while because it makes you expand your awareness for a little while, hey, get in there. If it's going to keep you going and keep you doing something and keep you learning something more and having a different perspective of reality. And what just popped into my mind was a story that I learned secondhand from somewhere and I don't know, but it's about Oprah Winfrey. And I don't know what your thoughts are about her, but it doesn't matter because the story is important. And it's that she claims to have been abused in every way that you could possibly think of. She claims that she was abused mentally and psychologically and spiritually and physically and sexually. And, and she grew up poor and, you know, so socioeconomically and maybe even structurally through racism and so many other ways that a person could be abused. However, because of her access, fortunately, to books, the books took her mind to travel not only to different physical geographical places but it took her to all different kinds of philosophical and 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 theoretical and inspirational places that eventually helped her to become the number one media mogul and guru in the earth on the earth at one time and i think someone once said if this is kind of if these kind of statistics or or trivia is important to people but the first black female billionaire in the united states right um so she has all these accomplishments, and then she started her own universe called OWN, right? The Oprah Winfrey Network, which is awesome, because I'm doing the same thing on my own scale. And so, but the point is that she, it was in books, right? Heuristic, self-learning through books, and how that takes the imagination to places that some of them are real, and then but they're representations of what's real through your imagination, which when you keep on learning just keeps you going and you can turn that into something for the benefit of yourself if you need it and or for the benefit of others because one thing i've learned as as a, as a clinical hypnotist and also practicing many things therapeutically is that helping other people and giving to others when i need the most like, I've practiced giving money to people, to a person that, that looked like because they were on the street and, and, and they looked and smelled a certain way. Or for whatever their appearance was, thought I felt like when I needed the most money, they needed more than I did because they were asking for food. You know, and I'm like, here, I just bought this sandwich and I'm hungry, but you definitely probably need it more than me. So here it is. When you need the most, give the most. But I found that from even just that practice, whether or not that's just one of those things people say, that for me personally, and so it may work for other people, that by helping others just once or a little bit and every once in a while, I'm not saying to be some kind of saint, right? But do something good and, and, and maybe it'll help you feel better.
Yes, sometimes you do something good just to get something in return, and that's to feel good yourself. Especially if you're, if you're, you know, if you're letting gravity take over, and all you want to do is lay down and turn gravity into your grave. They they share the same root, right? You're going down, but how about we get up? Because that's what we have options in life, right? We can either choose to give up or stand up. Right, standing up is is the ultimate of resistance training. Getting up in the morning, you know, I'm, as a fitness trainer, is one of the things I do is helping some people reclaim the ability to be able to to stand up from a chair and just to be able to sit down comfortably and stand up because their legs and their back might not be working the way they used to. Putting those pieces together, right? Standing up, even just for yourself inside, is difficult sometimes. But you can metaphorically and physically do it all the time and lock those things together, unite them. That's yoga. That's one of the ultimate yogas. Is all you got to do is physically stand up, understand the concept of what it means to stand up for yourself. Think about standing up for yourself as you physically stand up and take a deep breath in while you do it. You've just practiced yoga. You've just practiced, maybe you can call it pranayama yoga if you want to. You can call it kundalini yoga because you just rose up, right? And physically represented rising up with your breath while you took in breath, which is known as chi or ki and prana, life force, right? And you rose up while drawing in the life force from around you and thought about what it means to be standing up and rising up for yourself, which could then be continued and rising up further in life, right? Because rising up could mean thriving, right? Which is moving on from just surviving. That struggle. Man, people are with that boring title that I put there are going to miss these nuggets. Maybe, but that's okay. With everything that I do, I'm pinning these things out in the universe digitally online because I can come back to and share this with somebody who needs to hear the kind of message that's coming through. Because sometimes this stuff is coming out, and I don't know where it's coming from sometimes, but I'm letting it come through because sometimes I know that there are people that are going to need it. Because life is sometimes very often for a lot of us, for long stretches of time, what might feel like being impossibly difficult. And for some people it is. You know, there's there are debates in the world right now serious with serious consideration of whether or not that we will eventually have as part of of healthcare being euthanasia and assisted suicide and that and and then what kind of conversations will be had when and if or if and when death becomes a healthcare option and I, and this was just for me looking through an email from Mind Freedom International so you can look up Mind Freedom International if you want to find more about that. I, I don't have any links that I'm posting just yet. Maybe I'll do it in the comments later when I'm listening back to this, perhaps. But Mind Freedom International. So this is this is interesting, right? How conversations in life and earth and our philosophies and existence and the way technology and so many things have changed. You could call it evolving or devolving, wherever you stand on things wherever you stand on abortion or pro-choice and, you know, anti-abortion. Right? Those things are actually connected, you know, because they involve life and death and choice. And, and whether or not these things alleviate suffering or make quality of life better. And Again, coming back to the idea of philology, the love of learning, and why that's important is because it does 
alleviate suffering. It makes life a little bit worth more. And as time goes on, it accumulates. Just like how when you go to the gym and at first things were difficult, or how you couldn't do a push-up, or how you couldn't stand up out of the chair at home, or how you couldn't bend down and pick up something off the ground. But then after a while, by practicing, by repetition, by practicing over and over again, by training, by thinking about, by building up the courage, by doing it, by standing up for yourself, whether philosophically, metaphorically, or physically, or all three together while taking some deep breath with these things, as you continue to do it over and over again, it feels like it's getting easier, but it's really you getting stronger. And this is something that must be repeated and stressed and remembered and practiced and thought over and over again. That practice does make perfect with certain, with so many things and that there are a lot of things that we should try to, that we should attempt to be practicing because it will make life more worthwhile and it will keep us going even though we have difficult things that haunt us and rain on us like the blackest and darkest of clouds that you ever possibly could imagine, that you feel like you have been sent to hell and you have to live out the rest of your existence that way. But you know what? I believe that even if I were to be sent to hell, if it exists, that I will be able to find a way to thrive even there. That sounds highfalutin to many of you, right? But that's what I feel right now. And that's an evolution in my own feeling about myself, my own delusions about myself. My own self-aggrandization leads me to believe that through practice and hard work and dedication and discipline, without even needing motivation that I can find some degrees of self-improvement in my chosen vocation and hobbies by simply doing a little bit every day. And then regardless about whatever weight in the world there is resting upon, standing upon, or forcing itself upon my shoulders, that I can still stand up And maybe even at some point in time, climb upon the shoulder. But maybe not that giant, but some other giants and see real far. And see real far. Yeah, there are ups and downs. But you get to a point where, where the grief and the pain, for me at least, and I know many others, that it, it doesn't it actually doesn't go away. The, the, the pain, the horrible, terrible pain that was enough at one point in time to help you make a decision that you were going to kill yourself for sure to relieve the pain has not diminished. It's always the same. Five pounds is always five pounds. Gravity is not changing. I don't think we've sent, we've shipped off enough material stuff out into space to make the earth that much lighter yet for gravity to have changed that much, right? For, for five pounds to be lighter from last week when you first started lifting to this week or to, or last year or six months ago, whenever it was when you started and now you've gotten stronger and it feels easier, right? But it's really because you've gotten stronger. But that's not what happens, even metaphysically, right? Physically and metaphysically, it's the, it's the same thing. The weight of five pounds and the weight of your grief have not changed. They have not gotten lighter. It has not gotten easier. You get better by the things that you do in life if you so, ch so choose to do them. Right? But some of us are so beaten down and without these things to take recourse to that when we when these things happen we we act or those those and I, I'm saying we right because I, I stand in solidarity I stand in solidarity 
with those who have found life so difficult that they can no longer continue. And so there are some of us who, who before we have the opportunity to really know that we're truly loved or that we have a purpose, we're gone. We take ourselves away from the world and leave a grieving world or at least a few behind. But for those of you who, who, who are feeling like that, there can be some, some hope. And it's hard. It's difficult. It's challenging every single day. But if you'll just believe this and accept this trans logic just for a moment, just long enough to start practicing a few things, like reading a silly book and marking that off as an accomplishment, Right? Like in the gym, I give my clients a goal. All right. So at this weight on this leg press machine at 100 pounds, you're going to see if you can do 25 repetitions. That's your goal. You may not get there, but we're going to see if you can get there. And it's just like how people break records in sports, right? Like there's a record there and I want to get there. You may not break it, but you're shooting for that. Right? And so I'm asking you to just. Take it on faith for a moment. That if you do these things, if you practice these things, like lifting the weights, if you just do it, even if you don't feel good, even if it hurts while you're doing it, that you'll get better, you'll get stronger. It's not about you moving on. It's not about you letting go. It's not about you giving up the love or loving less or, or finding some kind of coping mechanism for the grief or loss that you feel, especially if it has to do with, with losing someone that you love very much, more than anything and everyone. The most important thing in your whole universe Maybe sometimes more than yourself, or maybe just as much as yourself, right? Whatever it is, something so, some, some love so, so powerful that it seemed like it was what was missing from your life until it came into it. And that it seems like such a silly, maybe call it codependence or, or just that, that's such an inspired happiness seems to have come from another person, but it's really inspired by them. It's really you, right? But it's so strong, so powerful, and then they're gone, right? And, and, and you're so devastated. It could be that, or it could be anything, and seem hopeless. And even while you're doing some practice that I suggest, like, like going to the gym, like taking a walk, like practicing doing three breaths in and out, once in the morning or once before you go to sleep or in the middle of the day when you find yourself being stressed about something to stop and then say it in your head or out loud, say stop, take three breaths and then take those three breaths in and out. Just doing that a little bit every day. Just the power of just taking three breaths at least once every day when you normally don't do that, do that will eventually expand until you're doing it more than once a day and then you're doing more than three breaths at a time and then your whole life changes. Yes, taking the time to breathe in three deep breaths at any given time, at least once every day can, if consistently done, depending on where you are in your life, help you to make your life better. The first time that you do it, your life actually does become better, but it might be so negligible, so, so emotionally, what seems like insignificant that you can't tell because of the th you haven't gotten past the threshold yet. But if you take it on faith, that eating healthy will heal your body. Then also your psychological, mental, spiritual nutrition has to change. And that's in the form of things you do, not just things that you take in, 
you can be giving yourself psychological, mental, and spiritual nutrition of the positive, beneficial kind by simply holding a door open for someone. Or helping somebody out with something. Or, or inspiring someone to laugh. And by just compounding these little deeds, these positive things, and choose and find what things make you really happy that don't hurt anybody else every day. You can, I know for a fact, and I also know that some of us will not make it. And as a matter of fact, I don't know how much longer I'm going to make it. It's just that when I do go, it's not going to be sad because I've decided that. I'm basically getting ready to die. I'm preparing to die right now. But not just in any way. I'm, pre I'm not preparing to die as someone who just barely survived until old age, until my, my physical clock finally runs out, right? I'm going to thrive and do my best to continue thriving until I just can't anymore and go out like that, right? And stay disciplined. Because when you stay disciplined, eventually that turns into motivation. But either way, if you just start discipline, meaning it, discipline means means this. You've already d done disciplined things. And maybe some of you are so depressed that you haven't. So start by getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth every morning. Because making your bed might be more difficult, but maybe you can, or if you can't brush your teeth just yet at, right at first, waking up in the morning, go and at least wash your face off and pull out the boogers out of your eye sockets, <laughs> your eye sockets, the, the corners of your eye, right? Once a day, wash the face, brush the teeth. I'm talking about from experience. Yeah, no, people who don't understand this don't know just how you can just lose all pleasure of existence and just be a dead person walking to really be almost like a zombie or a ghost, an empty ghost, a hungry ghost, just, just going through the motions. And there's something to be said about that too, because there are things like about getting dressed and why you care about not getting tackled because you're naked walking down the street by the police and why we can get to that. But we, you know, we forget so many other things. That's a whole dis different discussion for another time, which is also very interesting in and of itself. But I don't want to get into that because I'm already on a roll with this other thing that I'm doing about her heuristic philology and just talking about how at the very bottom of, of, of emotional existence, right to the near the edge of death, where you feel like like death in whatever form it is, is just beckoning you to come or, you, or, or someone that you love that's on the other side is telling you, come on, come on over, be with me. You can resist a little bit and choose to go out on your own terms because it's a pretty permanent thing i'm sure i'm pretty sure that you can't right you know choose to to die and then come back just because you're like nah, that, i wasn't ready for that yet so you know it's a pretty big deal and but when when we're in it sometimes in the moment we're not thinking like that and sometimes we forget about everybody else's it, sometimes it could be considered to be really selfish because a lot of other people are, are affected by it. But then also, us thinking about that, that someone else is doing that is selfish, is selfish to us. Because maybe we might be speaking out of pain. Because how do we know that that person's pain really wasn't so overwhelming that they had to go? To them, it was like that. Or they were just impulsive. But, I mean, you got to, I mean, come on. That's not, that's a, not an ordinary impulse. That is, and, and I know, uh, that does, to some of us, people might think, well, that doesn't need to be said. Well, I know that suicide is not an ordinary impulse. No, of course, it's not an ordinary, it's not normal, it's not statistically most frequent. Okay, it's pretty powerful for someone to get to the point where they're doing that. Like intentionally saying, I'm done, fuck the world. I'm putting this gun in my mouth and pulling the trigger. I'm taking these pills. I'm drinking this poison. I'm going out to the ocean. I'm drowning. 
I'm going to the 14th floor and I'm jumping to my death. People get there. Then it's done. We don't know. You don't know. They don't know. Whoever it is does not know that when they hear the voice of their departed loved one telling them that everything's going to be okay and that they should let go. Who knows if that's really some communication from beyond? Who has come back? Who who really has been allowed to have a public stage and come back and really, really let us know for sure that there's some afterlife and that we could trust in that? Right? Beyond having faith. Because faith says we need to trust it even though we can't see it. But we can have faith for a little while at least that maybe practicing things that will make our lives better, maybe by learning some things, maybe by practicing meditation and getting better at some things, can help us eventually to continue going on and find some great purpose in life. I'm doing. I'm super disciplined now and, and motivated to see what's happening. And I believe that if I can do it, anybody can do it. Or at least I hope so. And at least I hope that at least, at the very least, whoever may listen to this, if they're in a point in their life where they feel like they can't go on, hopefully something that I've said helps them continue. There will be many more. But I don't just hope, I do know that there will be at least one person who chooses to continue going on and make great things happen.